Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. For those of you who were here next, uh, last week, uh, Pastor Daniel spoke to us or began the series on the seven churches of Revelation. And so we're doing the seven churches of Revelation and Pastor Daniel last Sunday spoke about the church at Ephesus. And thank you for that, Daniel. Today, we're gonna move from Ephesus 35 miles north to a place called Smyrna. So it's my job today to speak to you about the church at Smyrna. And the church at Smyrna was known as the Suffering Church. So I've got the great title of speaking about the Suffering Church, okay. And so let's go straight to Scripture, Revelation chapter two, verses eight to 11. The Bible says this, to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you, uh, give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Father, thank you for your word today. Your word is life and health to us. Lord, we thank you for the bread of life. Would you take your bread and would you break it? And as we receive it and eat it, would you give us nourishment and knowledge and compassion, whatever we need, Lord, to move forward in faith today. For we ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and everyone said amen. 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 Now today, this is not a history lesson. However, there is history in this lesson. And I chose to put bits and pieces of historical stuff in for you because I believe it will help you as we move to the other five churches as we speak on them in the weeks to come. So let's, uh, let's dive in. So in the first century, Smyrna, was a thriving port city of the Roman Empire. And in this community of Smyrna 
was a group of Jesus followers that came together as the church. It fascinates me that even though it was very difficult times for Jesus' followers, yet another church was planted in a hostile region against host, uh, hostile towards followers of Jesus. You see, you can never stop the church of Jesus Christ growing and going and moving and touching hearts and lives, it doesn't matter what part of the world you move in or to, it's Jesus who gives life to the church of Jesus Christ, which is a living organism in those communities. Just like we here at Horizon Church, we are under the power of the Holy Spirit of God, we are a living organism to the community right here in which we believe and even, live and even beyond. So I'm always blessed when I find a situation here in Smyrna, a hostile place, fire against Christians, the early church, but they didn't mind. They said, this place is for Jesus, and they planted a church right there. So in this community, a group of Jesus followers came together. One of seven churches addressed in the beginning of the book of Revelation, which was written by John, who, by the way, was once a young disciple of Jesus Christ. And now in his old age, and I love that too. I see a man of God who, yes, walked with Jesus, but went through some, saw amazing things. But even in his old age, he didn't give up even through persecution. And here he is on the Isle of Pasmos, open to the Holy Spirit of God, and Jesus gives him revelation. Wow. So Revelation is a book that I know for many, speaks of a terrible future for the world and mankind and culminating in judgment and God's wrath being poured out here on planet earth. And, and that is true. But this final revelation of Jesus Christ unveils far more than a final world war and cosmic destruction. It also reveals a yet future time of restoration and peace, a time when suffering and tears would cease. So the book begins by revealing the heart of God, the heart of the resurrected Jesus for those he left behind. He didn't forget you, Caleb. Hannah, he knows your name. Ems, he knows where you're at. Jesus didn't forget you. Jesus didn't forget his disciples and those who believed in him when he ascended into heaven and then sent his Holy Spirit down to earth. Jesus will never forget you. You may forget about Jesus, but Jesus will never forget about you. Can I hear an amen? amen. 
Amen indeed. So the heart of the resurrected Jesus was for those he had left behind. And with seven personal letters to seven first century churches that stood in contrast to the culture of the day. You see, when a church is alive and well, it will always stand and be in contrast to the culture of the day. It's true. And there are consequences to that. We know. So that so this church of Smyrna was actually located within the borders of what we now know as modern Turkey. And Smyrna today is a city called Izmir. But Smyrna was known for something else. Its citizens actually took great pride in its history. Because in 600 BC, the Lydian king Attalus conquered Smyrna totally devastated Smyrna and left it a humble, tiny village. And then later on, when Alexander the Great came through, in a dream, God gave Alexander a vision to rebuild the city of Smyrna and make it into one of the most fantastic, greatest cities of its day. And he did. So the folklore of all its literature were filled with references of death and resurrection. Does that remind you of someone? That we are the city, they said, who once was dead and now has come alive. And it is that theme that Jesus Christ picks up on when he writes the letter to the early Christians in the city of Smyrna. The city, the, the Christians in Smyrna were suffering for their walk with Christ. And this claim to fame that Smyrna was that city that once was dead but has been resurrected now to a far better life was even more underscored by the fact that they had a major commodity. And the major commodity, Smyrna, held the exclusive rights of the import and export of a, val of a valued fragrance. Guess what it's called? Myrrh. Hence the name Smyrna. So myrrh was not only valued as a great fragrance, by the way, but it was also valued in burial procedures. And if you remember your history about Egypt, they used to sell countless amounts of myrrh to Egypt, where the embalming process was to preserve the body for its right to the afterlife as they believed. And myrrh was the very key ingredient. I wonder, I wonder if when the wise men went to celebrate the, the birth of Jesus, that, that frankincense and myrrh that they brought, I wonder if that came from Smyrna. Just a thought. And I think too of the death of Christ, where they wrapped him and anointed him with myrrh. That probably came from Smyrna as well. 
No wonder Jesus camps on this theme to the early Christians right there in Smyrna who just may face death for Jesus but would be resurrected to a far better life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So it doesn't come as a surprise really that Jesus opens his letters by saying, I am the first and the last, the one who has died and risen again. And then he says to them, I know, I know your tribulation, your trial. Interesting how all seven letters begin with that phrase, I know. I wonder what season in life you are going through right now. I know some here would say, Mike, I'm so blessed. I'm going through the most wonderful season. I tell you what, I'm hearing from God. I'm blessed of the Lord. I'm just, everything's working out fantastic. My kids are good. They're doing well. And, And on the other hand, there may be others that are saying, well, do you know what? Honestly, right now, things are not so good. I'm struggling with my health. I have a mother who is not well. I've got financial pressure because I'm supporting my family here and overseas. Uh, To be honest, right now, I'm under the gun. I feel as if I'm under pressure. And honestly, you know, I'm praying that God will come through real soon. I don't know where you're at, but I want you to know one thing, that Jesus knows where you're at. In Revelation chapter one, in John's vision, Christ is seen walking among the lampstands. And what he's saying there is he's saying that he is present with the churches. Did you know that Jesus is present right here at Horizon? Oh yes, just as much as he was in Smyrna, He is present with the churches, but guess what? Jesus is not only just present, he's intensely aware of what you're going through, Sarah, of what you're going through, Betty, of what you're going through, Mary, of what you're going through, Faye. It's it's Jesus, he's personal. Remember, it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Levi, that makes the difference between life and death because of our personal relationship with a personal God. He is very personable. Hallelujah. So he's intensely aware of what you're going through, what tribulation, what trials you are under right now. In fact, the word tribulation here is an all is an is, is an is a word for ancient torture. And what they used to do is they used to get that person and they used to lie that person on their back and they used to put heavy weights upon their chest and upon one upon another and another until they couldn't breathe. 
and then expired. I kind of know what that feels like to a degree. Years ago, we had the power team come here. Does anyone, was anyone in this congregation here when we had the power team? Emma was, Steve was, okay, great, fantastic. So you know I'm telling the truth now, I'm not exaggerating. So if you've, if you've never heard of the power team, you need to Google them. That is big, strong, you know, muscular, um, you know. <laughs> Pastor Mike still got it, no he hasn't. He never had it, okay? So the power team are these strong, born again, beautiful Christians that do these incredible feats of strength. And on the finale, on the final night, they wanted a pastor to come up on the platform, so they asked me. So they explained what I was gonna do. I lay on a bed of nails. I'm not lying, you can ask these people, they saw it. I lay on a bed of nails and they put this huge block of ice, this huge block of ice. They were carrying it, four guys were carrying it and they placed it on my <laughs> chest. And this block of ice was on my chest and all I was thinking was, guys, would you hurry up? And the whole idea of the illustration was is they're talking and talking and talking away. I'm thinking, guys, I need your help. You need to break this piece of ice now. And the picture is they'd break the piece of ice because Jesus comes along. He breaks your, he breaks open the burdens and the weights that you're carrying and you've got life again. Well, eventually, honestly, I was beside myself. I didn't know quite what to do. But eventually they took an ax and they, boom, hit this block of ice and it just went off in two pieces. And I, <gasps> breath came back into my lungs. Marvin, is that true? That's true, isn't it? That's exactly what happened. I had the marks to prove it. I had the marks of those nails on my back for about a month. It was amazing. I lived through it. <laughs> Excuse the illustration. But that was kind of a form of tribulation, but to death. So Jesus recognizes three weights on the chest of his church. Poverty, slander, and imprisonment, and I added even unto death. Let's do these three quickly. Poverty, by the way, there's two words for poor in the Bible and poverty. The first one, poverty means you're poor. This one means you are dirt poor. Have you heard that saying? Is, is that, you say that? You're dirt poor. I mean, you've got sub-zero, you've got zippity-doo, you've got nothing. And you can't even make something out of nothing. It's really poor. So in those days, you see, taking a stand in Smyrna for Jesus Christ and the Roman Empire often meant being cast into an impoverished state because you were labeled a Christian and part of the early church. You may even lose your job. You will lose your job in those times. 
You know people, I know people even today who have lost their jobs because they've stood for righteousness and they've said to their supervisor boss, I'm sorry, I cannot do that, I will not do that because it's wrong. And they lost their job. I know somebody who lost their job and it wasn't like it was, you know, asking them to commit murder or anything, but it was like, it's wrong. I'm standing for righteousness, cannot do that, and they lost their job. You'd certainly be kicked out of the trade unions because you wouldn't want to worship the gods of the trade unions of the day. And even if you did set up a little kiosk or store and try to sell your wares, who would want to buy from a Christian? That was the whole mindset of the day. Nobody would buy from a Christian. So Jesus says, I know your tribulation and your poverty. But then in parenthesis, he says, but you're rich. What? You're rich. You know, we think being truly rich is having a stack of money and a lot of stuff. You know the stuff that's in your garage and you can't put your car in? And God says, those are not true riches. And he says, in their poverty, they were rich. Jesus made an amazing statement. Actually, it's in the Gospels. In Luke chapter 12, you need to read it when you get home. And he says this, he says, take heed, beware of greed, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of things that he possesses. Now think that through. It is so counterculture not to have stuff. It is so counterculture not to have the things. And Jesus is trying to tell us there's more important things than that, but don't switch off. I've got something to say about that. I'm not finished yet. So counterculture. So what are you chasing? What are you chasing today? Remember the Bible does say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things, blessed be the name of the Lord, will be added to your life, right? Then he told a story in Luke 12 of a rich, of a rich uh, fool that had so much that he had to tear down his bonds and build bigger bonds and he threw a party for himself and God showed up at the party and said something like, hey, this night your soul shall be required of you. In other words, he died. Now please hear me. He wasn't a fool because he had a lot of stuff. Did you hear what I said? It's not a sin to have a lot of stuff. But Jesus said, Jesus said he was a fool because he was not rich toward God. Wow. That puts things in perspective in my life. I think the believers in Smyrna were rich toward God. I think the believers in Smyrna were rich toward God though they were in poverty all they had was Jesus, but that made them truly rich. I've seen this actually in a way. My, you know, my family and I, my wife, my family, 
We worked in Zimbabwe for 20 years. We ministered to the poor. And I've literally seen poor people that haven't, haven't even got a meal for tomorrow out in the rural areas, even in what we call the townships around the big cities. It's not pretty. And then they find Jesus. They accept Jesus into their lives. They become truly rich. Do you know they'll give the shirt off their back to you? Do you know they'll give you the last meal literally they've got because of Jesus? They may be poor and they were poor, but wow, are they truly rich? Oh yeah. That richness fed my soul for 20 years as we ministered to them. The second one is slander. The second weight of tribulation is Jesus said, I know not just your poverty, but that you are slandered by the Jews of the synagogue of Satan. Whoa, hello, that's quite a title that Jesus gives them. Have you ever been slandered? Probably. It's not nice. You do the best you can, you be as godly as you can, but someone takes a hold of something and, and they slander your good name or whatever. This made life extremely tough for the early church. The Jews wanted to distance themselves from the early church. The Jews, interestingly enough, had a cover with the Roman Empire. They had an exemption from claiming that Caesar was Lord. You see, at that time, you had to say, Caesar is Lord. Put a pinch of incense on the fire. Caesar is Lord. And walk into the city to sell your wares or whatever. The Christians couldn't do that because they said, no, Jesus is Lord. There was spiritual conflict there. And they had an exempt, the, the Jews had an exemption from claiming that Caesar was Lord. And since they said, because since there was one God, they, it, it, it was the God of Israel. These early Christians threatened that exemption because they were trouble for Rome. And so the Jews wanted to kick the Christians out of the synagogue. And in so doing, they slandered their name. And the slander was something like, you know those Christians? Those Christians, when they meet, they have orgies in their gatherings. They said that at these love feasts, they ate the body of Christ and they drank his blood. So the slander was that these early Christians were cannibalistic in their feasts. Who wants to be around cannibals. That's what they used to say. They called each other brother and sister. They greeted one another with a holy kiss. So the slander was that they were anti-family. And in Rome at that time, which actually shocked me when I really dug down, I'd heard it before, but in the structure of Rome, the family was very important. It was those kinds of things that marginalized Christians and alienated them and made them a despised subculture in their community. 
That's quite close to home. The church is becoming a despised subculture in our communities. And Jesus writes these suffering followers of him, of him at Smyrna that he knows the weight of their tribulation, that he knows the weight of their poverty, and he knows the weight of slander that's against them. And then he announces a third weight. The third weight was imprisonment. And I added, and even death. He tells them that their faith will be tested because they'll be thrown into prison and some of them would die for his name's sake. That wasn't good news, not at all. I mean, honestly, there were no executive prisons. I, I don't know if there are any, I just, you know. There are no executive prisons. There are no nice prisons. Prisons in those days were not what they are today. Prison probably meant you'd be thrown into a rat-infested dungeon full of human excrement, not much light at all, and certainly not much food. And to die, well, you'll probably be thrown to the lions in a public arena where the crowds cheered, not for you, but for the animals. Or you would be burned at the stake or some other horrific way of dying. And that was the, that's what they lived under and with. In fact, some of the famous martyrs were from Smyrna. And one of the most famous was a man called Polycarp. Polycarp was the bishop of the church in the second century there. And one night, Polycarp had a dream one night in his old age, and, that, and his pillow was burning in his dream. And he woke up, and the next morning he told his friends, I believe through that dream that God said, I'm going to be burned at the stake. And a couple of days later, what do you know? The proconsul sent soldiers to arrest him. But Polycarp welcomed them into their home. He even prepared a meal for them to serve, uh, to serve them. And he asked if he could pray. So he prayed. And the soldiers heard his prayer. It was a powerful prayer. And the guards, when they heard his prayer, they said, why would we extinguish a life and a man like this? But they brought him to the proconsul, and even the proconsul pleaded with Polycarp, please, just deny your faith. It's just a simple sentence, and then you can go and live the rest of your life. Polycarp then made this famous statement when he said, I have served my master 86 years. How can I possibly deny him now? The proconsul got so angry. He says, I'm gonna throw you to the lions. He said, do whatever you will. I will not deny Christ. Get the fire ready. We're gonna burn him. Usually they nail you to the stake when they burn you so you don't run away. And Polycarp said, you don't have to nail me. I won't run. They tied his hands and they started the fire and suddenly a wind began to blow. And this wind blew the flames away from Polycarp and he didn't die. And the 
guards, the proconsul was so angry that he told the guard to go and stab him. So he did, and he indeed died right there. Just as Christ predicted it would happen. This is the kind of thing they were living under. Then Jesus added a little note in the letter. Did you see it? He said, these tribulations will only last for 10 days. Now, when you read that, you think, oh, cool, Whew, just 10 days. But I didn't know it was 10 days or whether it was 10 Caesars or 10 years. I come to find out that, uh, and I don't know if I'm right, it, it, was, it was basically a common metaphor in those days for a short period of time. So whatever you're going through, it's not a life sentence. Amen. Then he said, after these, we're almost done. Then he said, after these are over, I have something special for you. Something special. You see, honestly, if that's all you have, you're in total despair. Why wouldn't you deny Jesus? But Jesus tells us that there's something beyond this life. There is eternal life. But not only that, there is a crown of life. And the ultimate reward is life because in verse 10, this is Revelation 2, verse 10 and 11, he makes two promises. The first is in verse 10, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Oh, the promise of the crown of life. He's not referring to eternal life here because you don't work for eternal life. Eternal life is a gift from God, amen? Amen. The crown of life is a special reward for endurance through your persecution. In James 1.12, James writes, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial for once he has been approved, I don't know what, how much you have to take to be approved. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. This approval will take place when we as believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and will evaluate and Christ will evaluate all the works that we've done here on earth. That's according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. We will be rewarded for staying strong unto death. And the purpose of this crown or crowns, this may shock you, but it's really not for you. It's really not for you to carry around and say, hey, yo, Dan, check it out, man. My crown's big, eh? How come your crown's so small, bro? I got a big crown. And I got two and you've only got one. No! <laughs> I'll have to buy Daniel lunch after that. <laughs> no, no, it's not, that's not what it's about. That's not what it is about. So, so really, these crowns are not for the purpose of making you feel good about your life because we're told in Revelation chapter four and verse 10, that we will go before the throne of God and we will, what? 
We will go down on our knees and on our faces and we will cast our crowns or place them at the feet of Jesus. This is a way of worshiping the Lord our God. This is a way of honoring the Lord our God. And I tell you, when I was doing this, I thought, oh my word. I do not want to stand there. I, I tell you, when I talk about things like this, I get real nervous. I don't know about you. I get real nervous. I don't want to stand there before the throne of God empty-handed. <laughs> so Dan will probably say, hey, Mike, where are your crowns? <laughs> Dan, can I borrow one? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. But it kind of makes me nervous. It's kind of like going someone to, I don't know who said this. I, I, I didn't forget it. I think it might have, could have been Pastor Craig. He said, it's like going to a birthday party without a present for the host. How humiliating. How dishonoring to the host. You see, those crowns are, are not to make us feel good about ourselves. They're for us to give back to Jesus. And then the promise of eternal life. The second thing, so the crown is number one, the crown of life. The second thing and the final thing as we close is the promise is eternal life. In verse 11, he says, he who overcomes. He who overcomes is any believer, is anyone who has placed his trust in Jesus Christ as his Savior, anyone who has said that I cannot earn salvation on my own, so I put my faith in the blood of Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for my sins. He is the overcomer. And it says in verse 11, he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. The second death, you say? Yep. It is an emphatic in the Greek. It reads like this. You will not in any way, you will not in any way be hurt by the second death. You see, as a believer, you do have eternal life. And he is saying, you may suffer the first death. In other words, you may die physically, but you'll never again die. Because death is separation. Physical death is separation of the soul from the body because when you die, your spirit, your soul leaves your body behind. Have you ever been to a funeral or a visitation and you look in the coffin and you see the person that you so loved? They look different, don't they? because the life of God is not in them. So it is because the soul is no longer there. Death is that separation of the soul and the physical body. That is physical death. Now spiritual death is a separation of the soul, the spirit from God. Revelation 20 verse 14, Revelation 21 verse eight, tells us that the second death is the lake of fire and brimstone. 
The second death is spending eternity in hell, Hades, separated from God forever. And I find, I don't know how else to say it, I find it in my Bible that hell is a literal place. It exists, it's fire, it's brimstone, there's gnashing of teeth. It is something so horrible that I, I'm finding it hard to even put words to it. It is eternal torment. I do not want anyone to go there. I do not want anyone that I love to go there. And guess what? He, Jesus himself, is not willing that one should even perish. The second death will be eternal separation from God and torment. That should leave us to want to bring everyone we know to be with us in heaven. Can somebody say amen? So if you're born twice, you'll only die once. You're born physically, you're born again by the Spirit of God. If you're born twice, you'll die only once. Unless, of course, during your life, the Lord comes back and you'll never, you won't die. You'll just go up to be with Him. So if you're only born once, you'll die twice. You see, if you're only born physically, you will die physically and you will die spiritually. So you're born twice, you die once. You're born once, you die twice. Can we pray? Father, thank you for the example of the saints in Smyrna to us. That we like them would be people who would suffer well. That we would see Jesus in every situation, in every season of our lives. I just thank you for the privilege, Lord, of knowing you personally. Thank you for being that ultimate victor who won victory over death so we may have eternal life. And so, Father, today, would you help us to glean something for our lives from the church at Smyrna? First of all, dear friend, are you born again? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you don't, all you need to do is say, Lord, I repent of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me, that you were buried, and that you rose for the, from the dead, and that you love me. Lord, forgive me for my many sins. What are you chasing? Do you need to bring your life back into alignment with God's word? Are you struggling? Ask Jesus for help, but also ask your friend in Jesus or one of the leadership, the pastors, get help. 
Get prayer. Get people alongside of you. Humble yourself and ask for help. And be fruitful. So Father, we just commit this word to the household of faith and others today. Would you, Lord, bear much fruit from your word in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.